Ezekiel chapter 14. Uh, if you find your place there, I'll give you a moment and I'll, I'll let you know that you can find Genesis uh, chapter 6 and then you find Daniel chapter 1 and then Job chapter 1. We're going to be looking at those areas this morning to try to bring some words of encouragement to you for what these people were facing that their day that we're facing in our day. So Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 14 said, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Go down to verse number 20, and he repeats, it says, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, said the Lord God, they shall deliver neither nor daughter, nor they shall deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Let us pray this morning. Father, we come before you. Uh, Lord, as humble as we know how this morning. Lord, you know the needs of this country. You know the needs of this world. You know the needs of our hearts individually. And Father, we just ask you to touch those. And Lord, it's in, uh, in need this morning, Lord. Touch those that's been affected by this virus, Lord. To lay your hand upon them, Lord. Help us to keep ourselves safe, Father. And we just praise you. We'll glorify you. Empty yourself and fear me with our spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray this morning. Amen. Ezekiel goes back into the uh, three different time periods, three different dispensations of time, and he brings a message back to give the people that Ezekiel was with words of encouragement. Ezekiel, they were in bondage in the Babylonian. They had been captive, and, uh, and any time you've got restraints on you, anytime you have chains on you or bound, uh, uh, it, it sort of wears you out, it, it draws you down. And what Ezekiel is doing, he's going back and he's saying, look, uh, these guys went through the same thing that we're going through, and these guys were facing the same things that we're facing, and you still can be encouraged. And he's telling them, he says, think about the days of Noah. Uh, think about the environment that Noah was in, the, the world that Noah was living in. It, it, it was not a safe world it was a corrupt world uh, the corruption got to a point that God said uh, he's had enough and, and God said you know what when God said enough uh, but Noah's living in a world that's filled with corruption and wickedness and sin and ungodliness and yet Noah lived for God and Noah had a testament for God and think about uh, the world that Daniel lived in Daniel was living as a slave in the Babylonian uh, captivity. He's, he's not living in the land of his birth. He finds himself a stranger in a strange world. And he's never seen a place like Babylon. And, and can I say this? Babylon has never seen a man like Daniel. And he, and Daniel was living in a world that was compromising throughout the thing. The world that Daniel was in, uh, uh, Babylon does not have Daniel's standards. They don't sing Daniel's songs. Uh, and they're not worshiping Daniel's God. But in the midst of that compromising world that Daniel lived in, he's uh, going around him, Daniel was living for God, and he had a testimony for God. And then you think about the, the environment that Job lived in. Job goes to bed one night and everything is fine. He was, uh, everything was going great in his world and gets up the next day and his whole world come crashing down on him. Uh, he's lost his land, he's lost his family, he's lost his livestock uh, and Job was a wealthy man. 
And before your son goes down, Job has lost everything that he had. He was reduced to poverty. Everything around him has been shaken up. And it's gone. Disease came to him. Death has come to his family. It seems that if the, at the end of the ordeal, there was his companions, his wife, but standing somewhere in the midst of the shadows of the darkness, there was an almighty God that was still watching after Job. And Job was able to live for God and give a testimony for God in a world that was crumbling around him. So all three of these men that uh, Ezekiel talked about, they live in three different times in the scriptures. And all these uh, three men lived for God and had a testimony for God uh, in the midst of a world that was crumbling around them, in the midst of sin and wickedness. And yet these three men still was able to live for God and worship God and serve God and give God the praise. Daniel can live for God and Job can live for God and Noah can live for God, then you and I can live for God today in what we face. You and I can give God the praise. You and I can praise God. You and I can lift our hands and give God the glory in the world that we're living in because Ezekiel told the people there, these men were facing the same thing that you're facing. And they live for God. For Noah's God was Daniel's God, and Daniel's God was Job's God. And Job's God is our God. Because he's the Lord, he changes not. I'm glad that God did not fail Noah. I'm glad that God did not fail Daniel. I'm glad that God did not fail Job. And God has not forsaken Noah. And God has not forsaken Daniel. And God has not forsaken Job. And God did not forget Noah. And God did not forget Daniel. And God did not forget Job. Praise God that we've got a God that knows what we're going through and knows what we're facing. And we still can praise God today. Amen. God was real to them in their time. Their life faced the, the situations in their life. God was real to them. There's a truth that each one of these men that got a hold of, and the truth got a hold of them, that caused them to be able to live for God in where the world in which they lived in. And I believe that you and I, if we get a hold of these truths in our life and apply it to our lives, that we'll be able to live for God in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the disappointment and discouragement that we're facing, we still can live for God. We still can have a testimony for God. So let's look at Brother Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, we find that... Uh, in Genesis chapter 6, the first seven verses you find here paints a very dark, gloomy picture. It gives Noah, uh, uh, 
phrase that I find in, in the Bible here said, uh, 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 but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Like I said, the first seven verses paint a very dark picture of the time that which uh, uh, Noah was living in. Uh, it, it talks about the sin. It talks about the imagination of thoughts of men. The hearts were always continual on evil. Uh, it talks about how sin had come in before God and he repented God Lord that he had made man and God was giving uh, 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 going to wash the world away and cleanse the sin and he repented God that he had made man so verses 1 through 7 it paints a very dark picture that the world that Noah was living in but when you come to verse 8 oh my it begins with that holy conjunction but that I love but God, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to tell you what caused uh, him to be able to live for God in a dark and difficult world. Uh, he, he was found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When the world around him was falling apart, uh, when the world was washing and worshiping the devil, when the world was not serving God, and Noah found grace in the eyes because Noah served God, Noah feared God, and Noah loved God. People were walking around in their own lust, doing what was right in their own eyes. But Noah was walking with God. Noah was serving God. When everything around him was filled with plagued with iniquity and sin, Noah was just in a perfect man in his generation. He worked for God while it was daytime. He labored for God in the nighttime. He was concerned about getting his family into safety. And let me just say this this morning. That should be our concern this morning. Getting our family into safety. And that's not the safety of your home. It's not taking to a doctor. But let me tell you what. You need to get your family into the ark of God. You need to get them wrapped in the love of God. You need to be concerned about your family this morning. He was concerned about the judgment of God. You may ask, how can a man live for God in a society that is wicked as this one? I can tell you how. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace, and I'm glad that same grace that Noah found and God is the same God today that we can find grace in too. And, and the same grace today uh, that God bestowed upon Noah, same grace that God can bestow upon you and I. We can live for God in the midst of this wicked and sick, dying world. We still can love God. We still can have a testimony for God if we just find the grace of God in our lives. I love the songwriter said, "Tis grace that brought me thus far. And grace will lead me home. The same grace of God that reached down and, and, and saved our souls. The same grace that God had uh, freed our sins from our sins. Uh, that same grace that brought us into a relationship with God. And that same grace that leads God to provide for us. I am glad that where grace, sin abounds, God's grace abounds much more. Amen. Noah found grace in the eyes of God this morning. You and I can find grace in the eyes of God this morning. There's grace for every need this morning. 
I'm glad God's grace brings salvation this morning. I'm glad God's saving grace. I'm glad that God keeping grace. I'm glad that God's grace and Noah is living in a God uh, world in the midst of sin and a sinful world because he found grace in the eyes of God. How you and I will be able to live in the midst of this dark world that we live in is because we'll find grace in the eyes of God. Someone asked, will the church survive in the society that we live in today? The grace of God is enough. It is enough. Will my family survive this storm that we're facing today? God is enough. We have sung about His grace. We have preached about His grace. We have told people about His grace through all these years. And now it's time for us to live in the grace of God. Now it's time to us to exhibit the grace of God because of the dark world that we're living in today. It's time for the church and Christians to experience the grace of God. To, to show the world what they need is to find grace of God. You know, the way this world is going to have calm, peace, and assurance is through the grace of God. If Noah found grace in the eyes of God, we can find grace in the eyes of God this morning. If you're watching here and you've been saved You've been touched by God. You have already experienced the grace of God. The world needs to see what God has done for you this morning. And that same grace that saved us and redeemed us is the same grace that will keep us. As long as we serve God, as long as we live our testimony, as long as we give God the praise, uh, we can find grace in the eyes of God and we can live and serve God and praise God in this dark world that we live in today. Amen. Noah lived for God because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well... If Ezekiel said if Noah was living in a time of wickedness, if Noah was living in a time of uh, uh, persecution, and if Noah was living in a time that, that nobody was serving God, everybody had turned their back on God, and Noah was able to serve God, Noah still had a testimony for God. He didn't give up. He didn't turn around. He didn't recant. He still loved God. You and I can do the same thing in the world in which we live this morning. So if Noah did it, what about Brother Daniel? What about old Brother Daniel? Think about Daniel and how he's living for God in a world of compromise. So how does he live for God in a strange land? How does a man live for God when nothing living around him is not under the shadows of the uh, temple anymore? He's not where the glory of God has filled the house anymore, where the blessings of God in his life is anymore. He's a stranger in a strange land that's not worshiping Jehovah. He's in a God, and he's a God in Babylon. They're not in the holy temple of God in, in Babylon. They're not bound their knees down. They're bound their knees to a heathen God and idols, and, and everybody's doing what was right in their eyes, uh, and they're on, and they are uh, eating foods that were sacrificed to the gods. Uh, 
immorality and sin was running throughout the land. So how does all of a sudden does Daniel live for God? He has grown up in Jerusalem. He's lived under the shadows of the tabernacle, under the shadow of the glory of God. But he's been removed from his environment. He's been plucked from his family. His family was his influence to teach him about God, to show him about God. And now he no longer has that influence in his life. The world that he's living in is not his own world. And can I say this? This is not our world, but we're strangers passing through. Praise God. But yet we still can live for God. Daniel, chapter 1, verse number 8. And I love this. Here's that holy conjunction, but again. If you want to serve God, you can serve God. If you want to live for God, you can live for God. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. How do you know how to survive in Babylon? How do you live for God in a strange land? You know how you live for God in a strange land? When nobody else is serving God, you got to make your mind up. You got to make your mind up. I might not be able to go to church. I might not see the people I love in church. But I'm telling you what, I don't, I don't worship the same way no more. I may not be able to go into the sanctuary and see people sitting in church anymore. But I'm not going to let it discourage me. I'm still going to worship God. Hey, Daniel said the same thing. I don't go to my temple anymore. I don't see my people anymore. I don't see the presence of God in the temple anymore. But yet, I made my mind up. I'll make my body a temple. I'll praise God in my life. Daniel made his mind up in Babylon. He made his mind up that he may be in Babylon, but Babylon's not going to get into him. I may be in this world, but I'm not going to let this world get into me. There's fear all around me, but fear is not going to get inside me. There's pandemonium all around it, but pandemonium is not going to get inside of me. Hell is all around me, but hell is not going to get inside of me. Daniel had made his mind up. He had purposed in his heart. He said, what others do, I cannot do. What course others may take, I cannot take. Right now, this moment, I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to live for God. No matter what the people around me is doing, no matter what my family is doing, no matter what the society is doing, no matter what the political government is doing, I'm going to live for God. I've made my mind up. I'm purposing my heart. I don't care the circumstances not going to dictate me, but I'm dictating to the circumstances that I am a child of God. It's not going to control me. Daniel made his mind up. 
He purposed in his heart. And if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to purpose in your heart and make your mind up, and God will encourage you. Daniel had made his mind up. Listen to me this morning, saints. We find ourselves in uncontrollable circumstances. Most of us are a hands-on person. We, we got a touch. We always have everything planned out. Everything has plan A, plan B, plan C. We got it planned out. And anything gets out of circumstances, it throws us all in a whack. If we cannot control it, we cannot touch it, then we have a problem. I can't control what goes on in this world, but I can control me. I can control how I serve God. I can control how I worship God. Even though all the things around me is uncontrollable, uncontrollable circumstances, uncontrollable water, but yet, as a child of God, it should not make us afraid. Make your mind up to serve God. Purpose in your heart that you're going to serve God. I want to tell you what Daniel did. We can do it right now at this very time. Not tomorrow, not later, but right now. We're going to make our minds up. We're going to purpose in our heart no matter what, what may come, no matter what is happening. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to believe God and trust the promise of God and keep on living for God and doing the right thing. Amen. In the midst of this wicked, dark, dying world, uh, when you get to Babylon, when you come to Babylon, you don't have to let Babylon in you. Stand strong in the Lord. Trust the Lord. Purpose in your heart. Make your mind up that you're serving God. That same God that kept the lion's mouth closed when the den. That same God that kept his cousins safe in the fire. The same God yesterday, today, forever. Daniel's living for God. He's purposed in his heart. He's made his mind up. God, I am still yours in the midst of the world that is crumbling around me. I just want to say in the midst of the fear that we face today, the confusion that's going around us, I want to say I praise God. I love the Lord this morning. I trust the Lord this morning. I'm glad when God is all you got, you've got all you need and much more. Noah found grace in his life. Daniel found God in his life. He purposed in his heart to keep living for God. In chapter 2, Daniel interprets a dream that no one else in the land can interpret. The king wanted to give him all kinds of gifts and all kinds of things and make him all this, but Daniel said, no, you can keep your gifts. I'm just going to go over and clean me a place off in the palace, and I'm going to give thanks to the one who gave me the ability. You and I can ask God to give us the ability to live in this dark, dying world. 
We don't have to succumb to this dark time. We don't have to be wrapped up in the confusion and fear and the pandemonium that's going around us. But you and I can ask God and give us that peace, uh, give us that understanding, help us and encourage us to stand strong in this world that we live in. Noah found grace. Daniel found God. And both of these men in the situation they lived in, the life they live in, the time they live in, and the world they lived in, they still lived for God and they had a testimony for God. You and I can do the same thing this morning. We can live for God and we can have a testimony for God if we just put our faith and trust in God. God is my glory. So if Daniel lived for God and, and Noah lived for God, what about Job? What about Job? Turn to Job chapter 1. Noah's living in a world that is corrupt. Daniel's living in a world that's compromising. Job is living for God in the midst of a chaotic world. Job wakes up one morning, I said, and his life has never been the same. Everything that he knew is no longer the same. We've been there. We've gotten up in the morning and our life was not the same no more. We've been there. All that he had and all that it was, uh, was ripped from him, it seems like that nothing he ever, ever the same in his life. In Job chapter 1, we know the story. By the time the last message came, he was sitting in the ashes. Ashes are the leftovers from a fire. If you see the ashes, that means there's been a fire there. Where did that fire come from? From Job in chapter 1, verse number 5. He's been there every morning. He's making an offering unto God. He's making a burnt offering to God. And when you see Job in the ashes of the altar, what he's doing, he's sitting, I'm sitting in the altar that I've placed to God, I've sacrificed to God, where he had worshipped God, the last place he got in touch with God, the last place he felt the God, at his altar. And let me tell you this, if you haven't felt the presence of God anymore, you need to get to the altar. And feel God. The altar where God got a hold of Job and Job got a hold of God. Job has met God before. This is not the first time. This is not the first time Job has met with God. He's met with God on several occasions. He has worshipped God before. He has heard from God before. While sitting in the ashes of the previous memories, he's re reliving the present pain that he's going through he's rolling around in the ashes of those memories can you imagine what the devil has already said to God if you let take everything from him if you remove that hedge he'll curse you to your face because the only reason that he loves and serves you is because all the things that you're giving him. Can I say that might be true about some people? That might be true about a whole lot of people. But it was not true about Job. Job loved God. So God said you can do what you like to him, but you cannot touch him. Keep your hands off him. You can't have his soul, for his soul is mine. Now he's in his ashes of yesterday, 
yesterday's blessings. And all those answered prayers that he had been praying and worshiped to God and asking God. The devil's already done told God. When I take your stuff from him, he will curse you to your face. I see Job in those ashes. He's relieving all those miseries that he's going through, all the messengers that came to him. He's rolling around the ashes of those memories of time before when life was great for him. But I see himself pulling himself from the ground. His lips begin to quiver. He's wanting to say something. He's about to speak. And the devil stands ready. I told you, God, he's about ready to do it. He's about ready to let you have it. He's going to curse you to your face. Is this the first time the devil's going to be right? Is Job going to curse God to his face? I see Job raising up from his ashes, covered, beaten down, worn out chaotic world that he's been through. I can see him raise his head back. Can I say this, devil? You wrong again. You've lied again, devil. Job lifts his voice up. He doesn't even come close to cursing God. He said, Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day upon earth. Job realized God was good, God was real, God was great, and God was worthy, and he was just enjoying the glory of God in the midst of a chaotic world. How can Job serve God in a chaotic world? Because he trusted in God, he loved God, he served God. But thank God, I read the last chapter, praise God. He survives okay, and God gives him back more than he had. And let me just say this, child of God, I read the last chapter in the book. You're going to survive. You're going to have it made. And God's given everything to you. Don't get in to the devil and let him cause you pain. There's a land that's far than today. And by faith, we can sit apart. I read that last chapter. We are winners, we have victory in our life today. Job lived in a chaotic world. His world was tumbling, tumbling down on him. But Job praised God and all that he was going through. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Christian people got up this morning and just praised God? Said, Lord, we love you this morning. We, we thank you this morning. We may by have the circumstances around us this morning. We may be facing some chaotic stuff in our world. Our world is crumbling down around us. We're living in a wicked, sinful world. But Lord, I just want to get up this morning and praise you this morning. I want to thank you for being so good to me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just get up every morning and start saying, Lord, thank you. I want to praise you this morning. Look what you've done. Look where you brought me from. Look where you're taking me to. I've just got to praise you this morning, God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all just stood and praised God? 
and give God the victory, give God the glory, and even in the midst of world. If, if Noah and Daniel and Job and the world that they lived in, and yet they served God and they had a testimony for God, you and I too can live for God, and we can have a testimony for God in the world in which we live in today. Ezekiel was trying to give words and encouragement to the people that he lived with in captivity. Can I give you these words of encouragement to the people of the day that's living in captivity of this world and sin? God is the great deliverer. You find God's grace, He'll take care of you. You may be saved already, but you know what? You still can find the grace of God. You still can find the grace that survives and provides and keeps. So don't give up. Don't let go. Hold on and serve God. Give him the glory. Noah found grace. Daniel got God. Job has experienced glory. Listen, get this. Job didn't start praising God at the end. Oh, no. In fact, Job was praising God before it started. Chapter 1, verse 5, they find Job worshiping God, praising God, making offering to God before any messenger ever came to him. That's where God needs to find us at, praising him. Don't wait for the circumstance. Don't wait for the darkness. Don't wait for the sin. Let's just praise God now and thank God and let us be ready when it does come our way that we still can praise God and experience the glory of God. In our confused world today. God has been too good for us. God is still good to us. Our circumstances around us have changed. But God has not changed. He's still God. And if God is still God. And I'm birthed into the family of God. We join heirs with Jesus Christ. Then you should not worry. You should not have fear. God has got it all. Everything is in the palm of God's hand right now. And you know what? If he holds the world in his hands, he's got you and I. He's got you and I. So I want to give you some words of encouragement. No matter what we're facing today, no matter what we're going through today, God is God. He changed not. He's still on the throne, and he still loves his children. Well, I'll just praise him for that. 